Hello, everyone. A very good evening to all our viewers who are tuning in to Copy Events. This is your host, Vance here. Yes, we are back, and today is Wednesday, and it's 9 p.m. So it's Copy with Vance. But because of uh, the weather is a little unpredictable, and I'm also starting to exercise more, so no more coffee, it's water. I'm sure my guest speaker is also having his cup of water, a bottle probably standing by. <laughs> so yes, thank you. It's, it's been a great pleasure to meet you all again. Um, broadcasting from my own home or studio, I call it, you know, that's the best thing, you know, you have your own setups and you have your own materials and then we go live. Yes. And today the topic, um, I'm sure you all have seen it, a softer man, advanced conversation on erectile dysfunction without any delay or me introducing it, I am going to invite Dr. Sriram Narayanan. Hello, doctor. Hi, Vance. Lovely to be on your show again. How are you doing, sir? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's 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 great. I'm on uh, stay-at-home notice in a hotel, having come back okay. from Dubai. So I'm doing just fine. Okay. Uh, I mean, it looks like some kind of an operating theater. You are not, right? No, I, I just wear my scrubs. It makes me feel comfortable. But it I is okay. Okay, okay. So I'm sure you are comfortable there as well. So mm. yes, Dr. M3, we are talking about this topic. And um, I think you, I mean, you have been in the show for almost about, I think, two times? Three times, Doc? Yeah. 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 And the last also time was about uh, pelvic congestion in women. This time it's about erectile dysfunction in men. Uh, we can't seem to PCS, get out of the right. Yeah. Um, and also, Dr. Sriram Narayan is a senior consultant, a vascular and a venous surgeon in Glenicals Hospital. Thank you, doctor, for joining us. And we are going to jump into the topic right now. Okay. Um, I'm going to pull up the slides and then we can start talking about this. Erectile dysfunction is common and not all urological. So, doctor, I mean, um, could we have a basic understanding what is ED is all about? ED is uh, the failure to be able to get a satisfactory erection. Now, what is satisfactory uh, and to whom it should be satisfactory to, that uh, can be a matter of some debate. But essentially, uh, erectile dysfunction is when you don't get an erection that is uh, hard enough and lasts long enough. That's erectile dysfunction. Okay. Um, sadly, it is extremely common. Um, you have the Massachusetts Male Aging Study, which was a very, very large study um, that was published some years ago now. And it showed that 40% uh, of men in their 40s, 50% in their 50s, 70% in their 70s, and so on, they have erectile dysfunction. So uh, I'm 50, which means when I sit in a group of peers who are also 50, about half of us have erectile dysfunction. Um, but uh, ED is such a strange topic, you know, men can crack jokes about it, they can, you know, they can send dirty WhatsApp pictures on chat groups, but their own erectile dysfunction is something we just find it impossible to talk about. And the problem that happens is that uh, the topic is brushed under the carpet, uh, you have uh, some very dodgy medications and snake oil and all kinds of treatments being peddled online. Um, many of them don't work. Some of them are frankly dangerous to your health. Um, so rather than put such a common condition under a taboo topic and not talk about it, 
uh, I think it's important to understand that uh, there are very good scientific reasons why it occurs. We understand it well, and it is quite easy to treat it. Um, so treat it just like a medical condition rather than something you need to push under the carpet. Thank you, doctor, for the uh, short and a nice explanation. But not, not we are not going to leave you alone there because there's a series <laughs> of questions that's already been planned up for you. But, you know, doctor, I know you are a vascular surgeon. But why does a vascular surgeon talking about erectile dysfunction? You're not a urologist? Yeah, no, I'm not a urologist. And this is the strange thing. Um, over 50%, in fact, almost 60-odd percent of all erectile dysfunction is because of vascular causes. Uh, if the blood doesn't flow in, uh, there is no erection to be had. The erection is created by blood flow into the penis when you're excited or stimulated. Uh, if there's no blood flow, which is what vascular surgery deals with, the blood flow in the arteries and the veins, uh, uh, you cannot have an erection. So the basis uh, of uh, most types of erectile dysfunction, uh, the underlying basis is a problem in the blood flow. So uh, I know that instinctively, like with when we discussed pelvic congestion syndrome, because if it's in the pelvis, people go to a gynecologist in women. Uh, but we now know that pelvic congestion is actually varicose veins in the pelvis. It's a vascular condition. It's the same thing here, uh, that um, if there isn't a good enough erection, uh, the chances are more than 50% of the time it is a vascular condition. Uh, and yes, that's why we treat it. Thank you, doctor. Um, of course, we see the, the numbers here, 40s, it's a bit scary. You know, usually we see that, you know, uh, certain kind of uh, illnesses like atherosclerosis only happens at the age of 70s mm. and 80s, people having myocardial infarction. But right now the numbers are coming down. But that's a relevant topic. But why am I bringing this? Because I'm seeing the numbers here as 40s. So is 40s the youngest or it can go no, as no, low as... Had 23 year olds. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we've had some very young ones as well um it is getting younger actually and uh, singapore has uh, one of the youngest age groups at which it begins uh, there is a reason for it you see um we all follow a day night rhythm uh, you know it's called the circadian rhythm in the body our hormones go up and down and our system works in a particular way uh, we were never designed to be awake at night uh, we were designed to hunt in the day when there's daylight and then hide in caves at night to stop being eaten up by predators and, and animals. Because our, our night vision is not as good as that of an animal. You know, the hunting animals have far better night vision. So uh, we are designed to wind down at night. And the key hormone for that is cortisol, the steroid hormone cortisol. It follows a specific daylight rhythm. In the daytime, the, number, the level of cortisol goes up. And in the nighttime, it normally comes down. But now we've done something else. Firstly, we've created electricity. So we stay up in the night. Um, then after doing that, um, we start staying up later and later in the night. So cortisol doesn't wind down and cortisol levels stay high. If that's not bad enough during this COVID time, we are all on Zoom calls. Um, and then we are now a, a sort of cross-continent world economy. So um, in the previous days, when it was night in Singapore, you slept in Singapore. Now it's night in Singapore, you stay awake because Wall Street is open in, in, in the US and you're doing Zoom calls with your American colleagues and stuff. So that whole uh, daylight rhythm has been knocked off with high cortisol levels persisting into the night. 
And in fact, in intensive care units, we in good units, we actually start turning the light down to blue light. And the reason for that is to re-establish the cortisol rhythm. Because uh, even though these patients are unconscious in intensive care units, if the light is there, their cortisol levels will be high. And that affects their wound healing and recovery and everything in intensive care. Now, why cortisol and erectile dysfunction? Cortisol is our stress hormone. Uh, I think it's very easy for people to understand that if you are stressed, you can't have an erection and you're not very good at doing it. You know that. It's pretty, that's really because your cortisol is very high. And cortisol makes your veins floppy. Uh, veins take the blood back to the heart. So when you're trying to have an erection and you're high on cortisol, which is essentially you're stressed, the blood that goes in doesn't stay in the penis. It pops out because the veins have become bigger and floppier. So it's in and out and you're unable to keep the blood in the penis. So you get uh, erectile dysfunction. So um, this we are seeing in younger and younger people. You know, the 35-year-old uh, vice president, Citibank kind of character with an open-top Mercedes, you know, living the lifestyle, uh, who stays up late at night, late-night lawyers. Uh, it doesn't happen to the construction worker, you know. He gets up in the morning, does his job, goes back at night, really tired, finds um, a wife or whoever he finds, and uh, he's doing just fine. It is these slick pinstripe stooped banker, lawyer types who are staying up to two and three in the morning doing work. They are the ones getting erectile dysfunction at a younger age group. So yeah, it is getting younger and younger. Okay, doctor. I mean, of course, we, we, we see the stats coming lower and lower because of stress, environment, you know, global economy and so and so forth. But, you know, doc, you know, when talking about this issue, about manhood, right? Erectile dysfunction, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm trying control to be very serious here, but you know, seems like, you know, people are not just open to talk about it, even to their doctors. Some actually having this shyness, some kind of um, um, a, a, like a shield in front of them. They don't want to approach about it or talk about it. Maybe perhaps is it because when they mention about it, you know, IFED, then, you know, will they be judged? Is it because of the judgment they feel this kind of pressure and they're just probably they're suffering as well? Could be psychological it's, effect as well. It's actually very old ingrained genetic psychology it comes from your position in a pack in a herd the role of the male in a herd has been um, you know the alpha male so to speak uh, that role of the male is to protect the herd or be part of protecting the herd and essentially to have as many babies as he can that's basically what you know the the, the uh, alpha lion or the alpha male in a wolf pack does um, and so the ability to perform, so to speak, is key. And it's inbuilt in us. So in our psychology, even if nobody knows about it, and we have a lot of patients who come in, it's not that everybody outside knows that they're having erectile dysfunction. But within, they know they're having erectile dysfunction. And that has a huge psychological effect on how they work, their meetings, their own sense of self-worth. And it's funny, you know, men, four, four guys can sit together and go out for a drink and get really drunk and, you know, talk all sorts of stuff, but they never talk about their own erectile dysfunction. It's very rare. It's not a topic that they speak easily about. And that's because it's so much ingrained in our own sense of self-worth that not being able to get erect is, is, a, is a feeling of being some sort of a, a lesser person um, than, than uh, you know, they want to be. Okay, doctor. 
Um, we, we, <laughs> I, I know we, we are looking at this slide. Uh, I mean, probably our viewers also can view it. I mean, I, I, I definitely know who this guy is. Well, what I didn't notice... No, no, we don't know who this guy is. We have covered the name in order to maintain the anonymity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're not supposed to know who he is. Yeah. And, and then you're not we even saw supposed the... to notice the size of his small brain. Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that. And then it leads to a, a girl on top, and probably she's a model. Oh, that is um, uh, Stormy Daniels, the lady he okay. was in, accused of, and there's a court case and all that. Okay, so probably everybody knows who this gentleman is. Um, we do see two arrows there. The supraspinal control integration, spinal reflexes, autonomic nervous system and erection. So there's a, actually a line of processes that one should have in order to have that erection. But what happens if one of these malfunction or dysfunction? Will there be also an ED or is this psychological? Oh, yes. Because oh, yeah. we, psychological as well. So, you know, when you're younger, you don't realize it, you know. It's, it's such an involuntary response. You see someone or you see a picture or somebody touches you or whatever. And when you're younger, the erection is almost involuntary. It just happens. In fact, you're so um, concerned about it. You're hoping nobody can see it happening. It's, it's a bit like that. So it really all begins with a stimulus. And it begins with uh, your recognition of a stimulus right up in your limbic system, in, in, in the cortex of your brain. Um, and uh, if the stimulus is wrong, you know, what excites one person may not excite another person. If the stimulus is not right, then the process doesn't begin. So the erection is not just happening down there. The erection is a process that starts in the head. And from there, the limbic system fires signals that it has recognized um, a suitable stimulus, so to speak. Um, and then the nerves are called autonomic nerves, which means they fire automatically and they go down the spinal cord. Um, and I don't know if you have the next slide because that will show the uh, system much better. Um, okay. You want me to show it now? Yes, please. Sure. So yeah, so that signal comes down the spinal cord um, and the nerves that come down the uh, spinal cord, they are attached onto the arteries in the penis. So they release uh, a molecule called nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide is the magic molecule of vascular disease. Everything in vascular disease is related to nitric oxide. In fact, Viagra and all that that you have heard of work through nitric oxide. And uh, the Nobel Prize for discovering the nitric oxide pathway was given in 1992 for this discovery. Um, and uh, so the nitric oxide then uh, releases uh, is uh, released on top of these uh, blood uh, little arteries that are in the penis. The arteries then get bigger in size in response to nitric oxide. And as these arteries start getting bigger, they stretch. And when they stretch, the artery wall itself secretes even more nitric oxide. So it's like a flood of nitric oxide happens. And then the arteries get even bigger. So when the arteries get really big, the blood rushes in, into the penis. And that spongy tissue in the penis, which is called the corpora, it expands. Now then there's a lovely, funny design. There has to be a god upstairs to have designed this. I can't see humans designing it. So imagine it like two sponges, right? Two sponges that can expand and contract and get smaller. And those two sponges are inside this tough plastic 
sort of bag. So these sponges expand into this tough plastic bag and everything gets hard. But in between this plastic bag and the sponges are the veins which take blood out of the penis. So you've got blood going in. As the sponges expand, they crush these veins. So now no blood goes out. So blood has gone in, blood is not going out, and the erection happens against this tough envelope. And then you do what you have to do. And then the stimulus falls. The nitric oxide levels fall. The arteries get smaller. The sponge begins to collapse. And the erection comes down. When you're younger, you can replace this nitric oxide very rapidly within your cells. As you grow older, your ability to replace nitric oxide gets slower. So you're probably aware that when you're in your, you know, 20s or something, you can do it three times, four times, it's, you're fine. It takes a little longer to recover when you're 35. It takes even longer to recover when you're 45. When you're past 50, then you're hoping you can start. You know, it's so because you're not now making enough nitric oxide. And what do you need to make nitric oxide then? One key hormone is testosterone. If you don't have enough functioning testosterone levels acting on the cells, they cannot make nitric oxide. And that is how Cialis and Viagra work. And all these drugs, Spedra and Levitra. What they essentially do is they don't make you more nitric oxide. You have to make your own nitric oxide. But whatever nitric oxide you make, these medicines prolong its action. They allow it to hang around for longer. But you have to first make nitric oxide. So from this mechanism, you can understand that it can go wrong at various levels. Firstly, it can go wrong in the brain because your stimulus is not right. You may suddenly realize that you're gay. And therefore, you know, you don't get excited by women. Um, you may find that you have some uh, psychological memory that you're scared of um, and things like that. Then if you have a problem in the spine, it can go wrong. If you have a problem with the nerves, which is one of the ways in which diabetes can affect you, uh, that signal may not come down to the penis. Then if the arteries that supply blood to the penis are blocked with cholesterol, etc., with atherosclerosis, the blood can't rush it. So when the blood can't go in, you can't get an erection. Then once all this goes in for the arteries in the penis to expand, you should make enough nitric oxide. When all this goes right, you must make sure that the veins don't take the blood out too quickly so that what goes in stays in and doesn't sort of rush out. So this whole pathway from the brain to the veins leading out has to work fine for the erection to happen. And these drugs, Cialis and Viagra, etc., act at only one level. If the brain isn't working right, if the spinal cord isn't working right, if the blood flow out with the veins is too quick, if your testosterone levels are low and you're not making nitric oxide, uh, or you have drugs that block the action of testosterone or block the production of nitric oxide, or stop your arteries from dilating if you're on medication like that, then whatever Viagra you take is wasted. It is not going to work. It's only going to give you side effects. Because Viagra dilates arteries and these drugs dilate arteries, not just in the penis, in the brain as well. In the head, you get a headache, you get stomach upset, you get gastritis, you get blurred vision. All this can happen if you take too much of it. 
So uh, it is important, therefore, to actually map this whole pathway when you are treating someone with ED to know exactly which point it has gone wrong and treat that point if you can. You know, doctor, before I pull up the next question, I mean, um, we do know that, you know, um, is it true that, you know, certain of these, um, we call it the sex drugs or the Vigras and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. do elevate your heart rate at to a certain point. And if someone who's in a high risk of cardiovascular, uh, you know, health, will that cause us a MI, myocardial infarction? Will there oh, yes, be a higher chance? Can. It can, it can. That is true. Actually, it's not exactly the heart rate that goes up. It's the blood pressure that falls. So when the arteries get bigger in size, you have the same amount of blood in a bigger space. So there's less pressure against the wall of the arteries and there's less blood pressure. Now you need a certain amount of blood pressure to supply, to make sure that the arteries that supply blood to the heart, the coronary arteries, um, are able to supply blood to the heart muscle. Uh, and when you have blockages in the heart, heart arteries, uh, it is unable to supply. So it needs a higher pressure to get the blood through. Now, if you take these medications and you don't know that you have heart disease, or if you're already on medication that drops blood pressure, especially nitrates, you know, you, know, you have the sprays that you have for chest pain, the GTN spray and all that. They interact dramatically with Viagra. So someone on GTN, if he takes Viagra, can drop his blood pressure so much that there would be no blood flow into the heart, to the arteries of the heart. And yes, you can actually have a, a heart attack doing that. Um, so it is important uh, that uh, because the two diseases are connected, remember if there's atherosclerosis in the heart and there's atherosclerosis in the blood vessels as well. It is one disease that is across blood vessels, arteries in the body. Um, so if you've got a problem with the erection, there's a fairly decent chance that you've got a problem with the heart arteries as well. So you should be careful and you should have some basic testing and not quietly pop these pills having bought them online or hidden them in your luggage and brought them across from KL or whatever. Um, you could be asking for trouble. You know, doctor, uh, instead of solving one issue, uh, it may lead to another issue. So, I mean, for men who are watching there, I know this can be a very sensitive topic. I mean, um, just to talk about it, like, you know, Dr. Sriram is just talking very fluently because he is an expert. Uh, even for myself, certain things when I want to say also, I got to say it in a very softer way. That's why I say the softer man. Uh, but doctor, I mean, at this juncture, can you please tell about the book that you are writing? I know, are you still keeping it as a suspense at this point? Of no, time, no, no. You... The, the, the softer man title of this show today, which I suggested to you, is actually the title of the book. Um, but uh, it is about understanding the psychology behind it. Because one is the medical part of it. But while we treat, treat people medically for whatever procedures or whatever medication they need for ED, uh, during those interactions, you know, you have to be very sensitive. They're already very stressed about what they have and upset about it. But uh, it takes some time to speak to them, to listen to their stories. And you realize there's so much psychology behind ED, how it is affecting their lives. Um, when when um, their partner, you know, or wife or partner says, it's okay. I don't mind, it's okay, uh, because he's he's getting ED. Um, that, uh, one realizes, can be one of the worst things that can be said to them, because it is not okay. Uh, he doesn't feel okay. It makes him feel even smaller. Uh, or when they're not getting an erection, he's a perfectly decent guy. Uh, the first response from the partner will be, is there somebody else? 
is he seeing some other girl? He doesn't like me anymore. Have I grown older? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not his fault. His, it's just simple body changes that are taking place, just like women get menopause. Men also get andropause. They're getting older. Um, but immediately their character is being questioned. Uh, on the other hand, when a 45, 50-year-old man wants to, he's growing older, his erection is not as good as it used to be, and he wants it to be a bit better, immediately he's being judged that he's he must be a dirty old man. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, yeah, got, yeah, he's got not yeah. things on his mind, right? And uh, when the younger person gets it in their 20s or late 20s or 30s that we see, immediately instead of looking at it as a straightforward medical problem, there is so much pity on him. You know, the young person doesn't need your pity. The old person doesn't need to be judged to be dirty old man. When they sit in our clinic, they look in the ground, you know, because as soon as they've come for erectile dysfunction testing to the clinic, you can already see that even if they're not being judged, they think they're being judged by the others. You know, they, they so there's a lot of psychology involved. And during this, I've heard so many different stories about these from these people about what goes on in their mind. And so that's what the book is about. The book is about uh, medically explaining to them that they don't have to get psychologically upset. And it uses their own stories. Of course, names have been changed, etc., completely. But it uses their stories to say that you don't have to go through this mental agony. It is just a simple medical problem. And most of the time, it is fairly easy to sort. You know, you don't have to go you know, at 2 in the morning online. Uh, you know, it's, it's like this. You give somebody a prescription for something simple, diabetic medication or blood pressure medication or antibiotics. He will go to the nearest pharmacy and try and get the medication. You give him a medication for Viagra, a prescription for Viagra. He will travel to a pharmacy as far away from his home as possible so that nobody knows he's taking it. You know, that is the kind of psychology that goes on. It's, it's just It's just medication for what he's got. It's a medical problem. So the book is about that psychology and when what do men undergo when they have what what and I've been privileged that they have shared their stories with me. So I would just like to use those stories to encourage people um, that you don't have to come to us. It might be anywhere in the world. Just make sure you seek proper medical help because, you know, all these weird and wonderful drugs and solutions that are sold under the counter some of them are dangerous. They could cause serious damage to your health. Um, and uh, you could have medical conditions that make sure that mean that you shouldn't be taking these medications. You should you know, get that treated first. And you'll just get into trouble. We, we don't want that. You know, if there are 300 million men in the world at least who have erectile dysfunction, it's a very common condition. You would have thought that something that is so common we would be able to have a much more informed and open discussion about it. Instead of that, it is totally hidden under the carpet and we don't talk about it and, and it just leads to trouble. Thank you, Doctor. Um, the, the, the next question is already popped below. Um, it's all erection issues are the same. Um, oh, no, how not. one should identify? You know, obviously they're not the same. As you can see, you know, you can have a stimulus issue. Uh, and sometimes the stimulus needs to change. For example, you know, it is uh, you might not need much of a stimulus when you're 20, but um, when you're 40, you might need a little more spice in your life. And, you know, both partners have to work together on this. Um, so it might be a bit of that. Uh, it is, of course, the nerves are involved. Your testosterone levels normally fall with age. 
Um, your ability to replenish nitric oxide normally falls with age. Uh, you could be arterial disease. You could have suddenly taken on a job with uh, Microsoft in the US or whatever. And uh, sorry, wrong term to use. Microsoft was really the wrong term to use. I'll think of yeah. another company. Google, okay. <laughs> Google. Right. Um, uh, given the current topic, that is not a word to use. Um, you know, and you're now staying up two or three in the morning with Zoom meetings, and so your cortisol levels are high. COVID times, you're worried. Um, you know, businesses are going wrong. Um, so, you know, the, the causes for all this are very different. Um, and um, each of them has to be identified. And you can actually identify them with testing uh, because you can map the whole pathway with testing uh, if it's done properly. So they're not all the same. Thank you for that. So uh, we're going to go into the next slide. Um, yes, okay. So we are. I mean, the 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 first um, the time I I looked at this particular picture, it actually I thought it was a atherosclerosis. Plug is plaque is uh, you know filling up the artery walls, but unfortunately, it's not. It is happening in the man's penis. Yes, because arteries all over are affected, and the man's the size of the artery of the penis is slightly smaller. Um, that within the penis, that is, uh, than the arteries that supply the heart. So uh, the effect of atherosclerosis, which doesn't take place at one point, it takes place all over the body. It's a systemic disease. Um, the effect of that narrowing is actually seen earlier in the penis than it is seen in the heart. In fact, erectile dysfunction is a silent marker of underlying heart disease. And on an average, you will get erectile dysfunction about 2.3 years before you have a heart attack. So it is like a warning flag. If you are suddenly beginning to see erectile dysfunction for no reason, more than getting the penis checked out, you should get the heart checked out, which is perfect for the cardiovascular I think both, both have to be checked, doctor. Both have to be both. checked out. So if you, see, if you see this, you know, if the artery is patent, if it is open, then you are potent. If you're not patent, you're not potent. It is as simple as that. Patent is potent. So if you, if you look at the healthy artery on the left of that slide and the blocked artery on the right, as blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking, weight, and physical inactivities progress, your heart, your arteries will get narrower and narrower and narrower. Your heart risk goes up, your erectile dysfunction risk will get worse. Then you correct it the other way, with medication, you stop smoking, you start exercising, you get on a low-calorie diet, you cut down cholesterol, you have low salt for the blood pressure, and you start opening your arteries up again. You're opening up arteries to the brain, you're opening up arteries to the heart, but believe me, you're also opening up arteries to the penis. It's as simple as that. You keep the arteries open, your sex life is open. You keep the arteries closed, that's the end of your sex life. It's fairly simple. So patent is potent. Um, so it's a clear indication, doctor, indicator as well. Um, you mentioned 2.5 years or even for above that, you know, it's like a warning sign. But of course, obesity, stress, um, like we mentioned about the cortisol levels, all these plays a very part in everyone's life. So one, if it's not relaxing themselves, especially for men who are in a high-stress job, uh, chances is, you know, uh, possibility, yeah? 
I know this is the month of cardiovascular month. We are talking about in February, but why are we talking about penis and erectile dysfunction? Yes, it has a link in between the both. And that's why Dr. Sriram Narayanan was actually explaining to us about ED. Um, so, Doctor, you mentioned clearly between the heart disease and ED as a link. Um, for general screening, right? Uh, a man who reaches around 40, is there a certain age where, like you said, okay, yearly you have to do a test or every three years you have to do a test? Is there an age uh, indication? Because we know that ED can even happen to early 20s. Um, yes. So is there any screening that recommended well, by... Like I said, the early, early 20s and early 30s ED, should, you know, you don't have to jump to heart screening. Um, because the early 20s and early 30s ED is related to veins flowing out too quickly. The arteries are usually still fairly healthy, the testosterone levels are still fairly normal, uh, and that's not an issue. Once you cross the age of 40, uh, it is worth having a cardiovascular screen. In your 40s, probably every couple of years, and by the time, once you go past 50, probably once a year. And you don't need to do dramatic cardiovascular screening, you know. There are a couple of basic things you need to do. You need to do what's called your HbA1c, hemoglobin, glycated hemoglobin levels, which gives us a measure of how well your sugar has been controlled over the last three months. You need to do a simple exercise ECG. And if that's okay, so you go on a treadmill and we do your ECG. And if that's okay, chances are that you don't have much heart disease. But of course, if you're on a corporate program and you can have a slightly more extensive uh, cardiac screening, then it's certainly worth doing a... CT scan of the heart, CT calcium score, coronary score, a full blood profile for cholesterol and all that. But that much you should do as a screen. Um, uh, you know, uh, but it is not necessary for a 25-year-old to have a full cardiac screen um, if they get ED. They're, in fact, if a 25-year-old gets ED, then we are looking for things, some things very specific. Either it's a vein problem or a hormone problem that has not been recognized. But doctor, um, just to... Uh, give a break here. Um, you know, when you mentioned about early 20s, because we do know that 30s and 40s, you know, high-risk high environment work or factors and situations. But for a young guy like a 20s, we have an ED. Is it possibly genetics that we are talking about? Or is uh, it something not that, that much. Genetic ED is not really there. Um, in fact, the, one, of the, one of the things is stress, you know, staying up very late um, till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, you, you do upset your sleep cycle uh, and cortisol. Uh, the highest rates of ED in Asia are actually in Japan, uh, especially in Tokyo, uh, because, you know, the Japanese work 30 hours a day. Um, they've got a strange. And you might be very surprised to know that the other part of the world where ED is very high is Scandinavia, Norway, wow. Sweden, because they have six months of daylight and six months of night. Um, um, and so their cortisol cycle is routinely upset and they have very high levels of erectile dysfunction. So that six foot four inch blonde, tall Scandinavian guy who you all think is hot actually can't do much. Um, uh, in fact, uh, probably the highest potency is, uh, comes from Bangladesh or something uh, and from tropical countries where the daylight cycle is very well followed. So Singapore should do better, but because of its better, stress yeah. level, it's also very high. Um, so the other thing we are finding is uh, hair loss treatment, especially one particular drug called Propatia. Now, as you know, there is a male pattern to balding, and that is induced. It's called the androgenic pattern because androgens are male hormones. 
and um, it, we use medication to block it. And uh, one of the medications that are used to block this hair loss are essentially testosterone blockers. They block the action of testosterone. So while they might help you grow a bit of hair, they also cause ED. And uh, we had a sort of uh, run sometime a year and a half ago um, when uh, university students at NUS uh, and, and NTU um, were using a bit of this. They must have heard it uh, from people um, and they were using a bit of it. And then I had a run of young guys, you know, university kids uh, who were developing ED. Now when 24, 25, you suddenly get ED. And then the first thing you find out is they lost a bit of hair and they've started using this stuff and they're getting ED. The problem with Propecia is that uh, it takes uh, three to six months after you stop the medication to actually erectile function to come back. But the psychological effect can be devastating. Yeah, so um, younger patients are a bit different. All right, okay. Um, here we are right now on the fifth slide. We, we see a lot of uh, medications over here. And one that catches my eye particularly is the metformin. Uh, diabetes mm -hmm. can also cause ED. So it's the side effects that, um, that the medications can well, cause. Well, this is the thing. Metformin is a very commonly used drug for diabetes. And here the confusion starts. Metformin itself can cause erectile dysfunction in about a third of people. One third of people doesn't mean in two thirds metformin is the cause of erectile dysfunction, but in one third it is. But diabetes by itself, because of its effect on the arteries and on the nerves, also causes erectile dysfunction. So when a diabetic who's on metformin comes to you, how do you make a judgment? Is it because of the metformin or is it because of the diabetes? Because metformin is a drug that is important to keep his diabetes under control, but there are alternative drugs. Similarly, a very common blood pressure, heart disease medication are beta blockers, bisoprolol, beta metoprolol. Yeah. These are very, very commonly used. But they are also very strong um, causes of ED. They will cause erectile dysfunction because they don't allow the arteries to dilate. They keep the arteries permanently sort of flopping. That's their job, to keep your heart functioning. But they have, we have developed alternative beta blockers, uh, specifically nebivolol. Um, which is a medication that uh, is also beta blockade but doesn't cause so much ED. Um, and therefore, it is important to distinguish, um, you know, if the people start developing ED on these medications, is it from the tablet or is it from some other underlying cause? Because these tablets are also essential for their health. So if we can avoid stopping these medications, we should not. But it is possible with testing to say, that uh, uh, it is the drug causing the problem or is it an underlying problem causing the problem? Um, and on the same slide, I've also put PD-5 inhibitors, you know, uh, and all PD-5 inhibitors will interact uh, with uh, these angina medications, uh, you know, GTN sprays yes. that you yeah. use. Um, so there are four PD-5 inhibitors. PD-5 is, is a substance that causes nitric oxide to get destroyed. Uh, and if you inhibit phosphodiesterase 5, that's the enzyme, that's what PD-5 stands for, uh, then you can prolong the action of nitric oxide. And there are four of them, Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, and Spedra. Um, they're all part of the same group. Uh, they all work in terms of how differently, in terms of how quickly they act and how they have side effects. So for example, Viagra should not be taken with food. 
Uh, Cialis should be avoided with food. Uh, Cialis can last for two to three days. Well, the action of Viagra doesn't last that long. Uh, it lasts, um, Levitra is a sort of softer form of Viagra in the sense it causes less side effects, but then it also causes less potent response. Spedra is this instant action. It doesn't get influenced by alcohol. It doesn't get influenced by food. You absorb it properly. It starts working within 15 to 25 minutes, but lasts only for six hours. So depends on what scenario you're in. If you sort of want baseline to keep your function going, you probably want to be on Cialis. Um, if you are um, know that you're going to get lucky, then you probably want to take Viagra and hope you don't have side effects. Um, but uh, if you don't know, you've gone on holiday to Phuket or something, and you probably want to keep some Spedra in your pocket just in case you get lucky. And if you get lucky, pop it, and you know the alcohol won't get in the way. You know, doctor, when when you mention about all these medications, I mean, of course, for sex-related or even for ED, they seems to be like a female name, like Spectra, a Vigra, and then one more you you mentioned about Sia. Cialis and Levitra. I've put all four up on that slide, one after the other. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, all like a woman's... So I think probably... women are important because who's the erection for? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's very true. (laughs) It's for them, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, Um, you know, it is end-user targeting. Yeah, and I know we have covered these... (laughs) End-users, of course, the men users. I mean, of course, I mean, for the both uh, sexes as well. Uh, Doctor, I mean... Can treating heart diseases with medicines make ED better? I mean, of course, we yes. talk about these relative... The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. Because when, when you're treating... When we say heart disease, it's a very wide topic. Specifically, coronary artery disease. Blockage of the coronary arteries. Assuming your ED is because of our blockages to the penis arteries, and assuming that you also have coronary artery disease due to blockages, then yes, treating that disease will make your erectile dysfunction better. There is no doubt. Um, but and if that, your uh, erectile dysfunction has got some other cause to it, then heart disease treatment doesn't do the trick. So, for example, the fourth line over yeah. there, testosterone replacement. Yeah. Now, when you get older, your testosterone levels drop. That is just normal. Uh, testosterone increases your muscle mass. Uh, but it doesn't just increase your body muscle mass. It also increases the mass of your heart muscle which means now you've got more muscle in your heart, so it needs more blood supply. Now, if you've got underlying blockages in your uh, arteries to your heart, with less muscle, it might not show. But when you have more muscle needing more blood flow, you will start uh, feeling the strain. So if you put people on testosterone replacement without checking if their heart is strong enough to take it, you can actually precipitate a heart attack in these patients and heart failure. So uh, people are prescribing testosterone replacement treatment very easily without doing a basic check on whether their heart is fit. So that should not be done either. You know, uh, just uh, prescribing testosterone because someone wants to look and feel a bit younger, this new anti-aging thing that has gone on. Uh, There is nothing called anti-aging. You're only prolonging the end of your life. You're not stopping aging at all. Um, But uh, you've got to do it with care and make sure that you've done at least a baseline test to make sure, you know, a simple exercise ECG before you do it, before you start someone testosterone replacement, I think is, is warranted. Otherwise, people will have uh, great erections, but heart attacks when they use their erections. Now it's going to be useful, not useful at all. 
Not useful. And, and, and not I, I, I know it's a great <laughs> way to die. You might as well die in glory, but I'm not sure you want to do that. But but as we speak, I just saw the picture extremely on our site on the example. <laughs> on the right that's side, a little the last of a, of, yeah, that's yeah. a snake job of trying to get it going. Okay. <laughs> on a on a softer <laughs> side. Uh no one is looking very potentially excited there, uh, especially no. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that guy needs a cardiac screen before he goes any further with the snake charmer. But I mean, okay. I know it looks like a funny picture, but that's the point I'm trying to make. That people resort to this sort of silly, unproven, crazy treatments when most of these can be actually diagnosed and treated in a fairly simple medical way. And it's not very difficult to do that. You just have to follow a sequence of steps to make sure you can identify where in the pathway it's gone wrong. And you don't need to call a snake charmer into your bedroom to try and get the erection going. Thank you, doctor. That's uh, well said in that part, you know. Um, of course, proper medications and proper, proper advice, I think, is very, very crucial as well. We're going to go to the next slide. Um, we are looking at the erectile dysfunction hemodynamic study. Uh, what can we learn from here, Doctor? Sriram. Okay, this is simple. You know, what we're trying to find out is there a blood flow problem in the penis? The old way to do it, and still the in most places the standard and most available way to do it, is to give somebody uh, or induce a medical erection using a, a drug called Cabrajet, which is uh, causes the uh, arteries to dilate. It's a very fine uh, needle that is used to put medication into the penis. Um, and it's a test dose, and you then use the ultrasound to measure blood flow. The problem with ultrasound measurement of blood flow is that uh, it is very operator dependent. And, uh, you know, when you're doing ultrasound on the heart or on the tummy, we can rest our hand on the tummy and our hand is still. But the penis is a little mobile, so it's very difficult to keep your hand still when you're doing the ultrasound. It takes some practice to do it, and the results are not always that reproducible. With erectile dysfunction hemodynamics, it is far more controlled and far more accurate and the information you get is more. So what we do is we take put a blood pressure cuff on the arm, we put a blood pressure cuff on the thumb because the artery to the thumb is about the same size as the artery in the penis. And also, even if they have diabetes, for some reason, the artery to the thumb doesn't get affected. It stays healthy. So you have a healthy artery to compare, but the drug has been given in the penis and not in the thumb. So the penis should respond and its artery should get bigger than the artery of the thumb, right? And there should be more blood flow. So we compare the blood pressure and the speed of blood flow in your arm, in your thumb, and we compare that to how is your artery responding. And then we can measure how quickly the blood is flowing out. Mm -hmm. We can also measure waveforms and how much the artery increases in size. So that can give us ideas on if you get a completely normal test, but the person tells you that he's got erectile dysfunction, but all the blood flow and everything there is normal, then it is psychological. If they respond but don't respond in a particular way, you can tell that they are low on nitric oxide and we can actually replace nitric oxide with something called arginine. You get arginine, which is an amino acid protein that you can eat and you can replace your arginine levels. But these are the people who will do well with Viagra, and it is really common. Um, we can tell if the artery is blocked. We can tell if the artery is blocked higher up, leading into the pelvis, or is it blocked in the penis itself. 
we can tell if the blood flow is flowing out too quickly. So you can really map the whole pathway from the top to the bottom and out uh, using hemodynamic testing. Uh, and then we can pinpoint whether Viagra will work. Do you need to have a, a further test to see where the arteries are blocked? If the arteries are blocked, we will test your heart as well. Is the blood flowing out too quickly, in which case we can slow the blood down in the veins with the procedure we developed. Uh, but sadly, at the moment, um, hemodynamic testing is only available at our center um, because I have a special research interest in hemodynamics for 15 years. So we have the system with us. Um, but um, you can, it doesn't have to be hemodynamics. Ultrasound Doppler uh, testing will also give a fairly good result. Uh, but you need to be tested. You need to map the pathway. You know, you can't just uh, start popping pills without knowing what's going on. So that's hemodynamic. I was just thinking of a question. So I'm, I think I'm going to take this, right? So for a dude out there, any the age from probably from 30 to all the way to 50, all right, probably, all right, maybe say 55, right? 30 to 55. If he recognizes, if his erection is not lasting, uh, is is mom momentum is lesser, do you think he should come for an ED testing immediately? No, 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 no. So we actually don't do testing straight away. We do something called the SHIM score. It's, it's available online. Uh, the Sexual Health Inventory for Men, S-H-I-M score. It is also called the IEEF-5, International Erectile, uh, uh, Index for Erectile Dysfunction. Uh, you can download it online and answer the questions. There are five questions. You get marks from one to five for each answer on how good you think your erection is. Right? Uh, so obviously, if you score five out of five for each question, uh, your score is 25. And the less you score, your least score will be five because uh, you, you get one mark for the bottom score. So from um, 21 to 25 is essentially a normal erection. If you are scoring 25, then uh, you can drill holes in a wall with it. Um, on the other hand, if you're scoring less than 7, you've got severe erectile dysfunction. In general, we will first run the SHIM score. And if it is more than 17, we will try and find the cause and blood tests and all that. You know, is your testosterone level a little low? Are you exercising a little low? Uh, do you need to um, lose a bit of weight? Because um, if you've got body fat then you convert testosterone to estrogen in your body fat. And estrogen will blunt the action of testosterone in the penis. So we would ask you to lose weight, exercise a bit more, get your blood pumping a bit more. We won't test you straight away. Um, of course, if it is less than 17 out of 25, then you will probably need testing. Uh, but most people won't be less than 17 out of 25. You know, it's a serious disease. Um, of course, if you're less than seven, then life is not worth living, but that's a different story. So uh, please, right. uh, you don't have to see us. I find it surprising. It is the first baseline test uh, for how, but not uh, that many people do it. But you can do it for yourself. Just go online, download the SHIM score, and run it for yourself secretly if you wish. Um, if you're 21 to 25, you're doing fine, man. Uh, I don't think you need to worry. If you're less than 7, please see us tomorrow. Um, but if you're between 7 and 17, make an appointment. We will see you sometime. All right, doctor. You got to move on to the next slides. Thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, so we uh, there's there's a the Venus news. Um, probably you, I think you're the best person to tell us, doc. 
Yeah, the Venus News is actually a global newspaper published out of the uh, for for vein disease that is published out of London by Biba Publishing. Uh, it is a, an academic sort of newsletter that goes out, and we had presented in London about three years ago, four years ago now. Um, so, uh, like I said, in younger people, uh, their blood flows out too quickly. In the old days, uh, it was a fairly dramatic operation where we used to try and tie down most of the veins. Um, it was an open operation. It lasted about four hours. You were in hospital for four to five days as it was, a, you know, to tie off all the blood vessels. Um, the results were almost a 50% plus failure at six months because it's hard to find all the veins there surgically. Um, and uh, these patients really don't want anybody to know about it. They want it to be very quiet. But if you're four or five days in hospital, the whole family is going to come and visit and ask what's going on. Right. So then over time, we developed these little minor keyhole procedures uh, for various other things in vascular surgery. And we can put uh, glue. We use glue for vein surgery all the time for varicose veins. So we used a bit of glue as a test. Um, uh, there were others who had done it before and tried it, but didn't use the route we used. We went directly into the vein and the penis. And all we do is slow down. We put some glue there and slow down the speed at which the blood drains out of the penis. And these are young guys, so their arteries are healthy, their testosterone is good. And you just give them a little more time to fill the blood into their penis. And then once the veins will get squashed, the erection will be normal. So we've done over 50 cases now. Uh, when we first presented, we've done seven cases, but now we've done over 50. And the results hold well beyond two years. So it's, it's, it seems to be doing fine. There have been one or two failures in 50, I, I admit. Um, but uh, overall, um, their erections are far better. So, it's so you're making simple. couples happy, no? You're making the couples well, happy. You're well, I've, I've happy. had all sorts of comments come after this procedure, which I can't share on air uh, from happy people. Um, but it's a much simpler operation. It takes about 40 minutes to do. Uh, it's it can if, if people are queasy, we'll do under a short general anesthetic, but they can have it under a local anesthetic with sedation. Um, um, there's not a big cut or anything, so and they're in and out of the hospital in two to three hours. So uh, they can pretend they've gone for an afternoon business meeting and they will go out with uh, an erection that works. I usually tell them not to do anything for four to five days or a week after the procedure, uh, but most of them don't listen. Because the, <laughs> no, because the first thing is, you know, when the erection and the system is not working fine, the early morning erection you get when you wake up, that happens because the bladder is full and that is compressing the veins draining out of the penis. And so you naturally get an erection. But if your veins are flowing very quickly, then that early morning erection is the first thing that goes. And uh, if you ask these patients, they'll say, yeah, for the last year and a half or two, I'm not getting that early morning erection. Um, but what happens after this procedure is that, uh, you know, you don't need to do any psychology. They wake up the next morning and they have an erection. And they suddenly realize, wow, I'm back. Um, and uh, so no psychological therapy is necessary. They usually return very quickly. You know, doctor. I mean, um, as much as we we talk about this, I think there will be a lot of psychological uh, effects as well. Um, I think one man can go through because we can understand um, if his younger brother, we call it, or Willie, yes, a couple of names that we can call him, um, if it's not functioning at the speed of what he's supposed to, uh, I think that manhood or that kind of confidence, the character, the 
everything I think just crushes down on him. And I think that could be yes. also lead to other psychological issues as well, though. It does. It does. It leads to tremendous psychological issues. Um, you know, um, they don't know where to turn. Um, if they're very religious, they find it even more difficult to deal with it. We know that uh, sexual dysfunction in those who are more religious is far more difficult to treat. Um, you can have all sorts of extremes of behavior because of anger. Um, relationships get upset. Um, their uh, partner either suspects them of having an affair, which they're not having, poor fellas. Uh, or on the other hand, the partner is very sympathetic, she thinks, and says, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Um, so uh, many such things go on, um, and there's a lot of strain involved. Um, we've had uh, uh, conservative Muslim families, not from this country, from elsewhere. And then the wealthy families, the worry starts. Uh, I had a patient, for example, who's about 44, um, and he came in uh, very wealthy, very, very wealthy, you know, worth a few millions, um, who came in with this. Um, and when I gave him the sexual health inventory for before testing him, he gave it back to me and said, Doc, I'm just not interested. I don't want to do it. Uh, I said, you're only 40, man. How come you're not interested in it at all? He said, I was fine two years ago, but now I'm not. Now, that's a very important sign. Um, uh, loss of libido, loss of desire. Um, that uh, must immediately prompt that their hormone levels are abnormal. Um, and the key hormone we're looking for is prolactin, which is secreted in the pituitary gland in the brain. Prolactin is secreted by women uh, when they're breastfeeding. You know, it is for milk production. And men should have very, very low levels of prolactin in their blood. But if there is a tumor in the brain producing prolactin, uh, then the levels go up. And the first thing prolactin does is it shuts down the action of testosterone. Um, and you get a loss of libido, dramatic loss of libido. So when he told me this, I didn't even do the ED testing for him. I sent a full hormone profile. And sure enough, his prolactin was four times normal. Um, and then we did an MRI of his brain and we found a small tumor. Uh, in his brain. It's a benign tumor. It's not going to kill him, but uh, it can, if it grows bigger, cause some vision disturbances. Uh, he had it treated uh, at NNI, um, and it's not a very difficult operation either. Fairly simple neurosurgical procedure, and he's back. But you see, what was happening was there's a lot of wealth involved. Uh, he's a very decent person, but because, you know, it's, it was a Bangladeshi Muslim family, wife is worried that does he have a younger woman he wants? Is he going to get married again? There are, you know, and all sorts of strains involved. You know, I can only imagine what he must have gone through for two years, you know, mentally and the questions that were asked between him and his wife, uh, which is sad. So the psychology does, does go quite haywire. And it's important to approach it very scientifically and do a full hormone profile, not just a testosterone level. Um, if required, do the ED testing, go step by step. Hormones, take a history, do the hormones, do a shim score, test if you must, find out what medications they're on, what other disease it's on. Can we alter the medication if it is drug-induced erectile dysfunction? And then think of doing an intervention. So if you go step by step, you can pretty much sort most people out. Right at this uh, point, we'd like to uh, say thanks to Billy Silver. Thank you, Billy, for sending us that message here. It's a very good topic on men's health. We also have Mr. Harish. Thank you, Mr. Harish. Uh, never knew so much before. Very informative and interesting. Yes, Mr. Harish. Uh, what is the website to check for the test? Probably I will later 
type it down in the comments. Just section. call, just so, call the center and see if you need a test. Run your own shim score, guys. Yeah. You know, you go online and you look at all sorts of rubbish online. For once, go online and get onto the S H I M shim score sexual health inventory for men. When nobody is looking, mark yourself. If you're over 21, congratulations, go and get yourself a drink. If you're between 17 and 21, um, then try and do a bit more exercise, lose some weight and see if it gets better. If you're less than 17, give us a call. It's as simple as that. Uh, you know, um, do yourselves a favor. If you don't want to talk about it, just go online quietly and do your own score. Thank you, Doctor. I mean, um, for spending us uh, spending with us almost one hour five minutes on this topic of uh, erectile dysfunction, and I think that I think this topic can go even more for another couple of more hours. But I think we have to cut short it. Even if the erection won't last that long. Yeah. <laughs> yes, probably that erection won't last. I have no medication to make it last for three hours. I can tell you this. Uh, but <laughs> but Doctor, I got to remind you because today you are doing SHN, so probably you're alone. I have no choice either. <laughs> yes. Hey, but that's on a softer side. But on a serious note, I think um, whoever man is going through this, uh, I wouldn't say challenge. I think whatever condition they are going through, it could be very stressful. It can lead to depression. It can lead to a very emotional state. You may be doubting yourself. I mean, why am I saying that is based on the causes that I, I, I learned about in psychology. Um, but, you know, doctor, I think before we end the show, um, will, what will your advice be for men who are suffering in silence? I know you have already talked about the test. You already know. We know where you are at. You know, the folks can actually contact you over here. But, you know, if there's a, something that is blocking them from getting help or speaking to that doctor or, or speaking to the very good friend about their issue, rather than keeping it and getting their to, to a very inferior level, that, that what will your advice be, doctor? My advice will be two things. If you think you have ED, run your shim score. That's number one, to know if you actually do have some degree of erectile dysfunction. And second, if you think or you find you have erectile dysfunction, please don't hide it under the carpet. You know, it's just a normal medical condition. I understand you feel conscious about it. Speak to a doctor about it. You don't have to speak to friends about it or whatever. Speak, go medical about it. And just be a little careful. Don't just pop pills. Don't order things online. Uh, you don't know what the impurities are. You don't know if the drugs are right. Um, because some of them do have serious side effects. Um, you know, uh, some of the uh, over-the-counter medication that's available in, in Thailand and in Phuket, Bangkok and in Indonesia and stuff. Um, all sorts of stuff is available. We've had, we've had uh, scenarios with people who've had perforated stomach ulcers from them. Uh, we've had situations where they have had pancreatic failure from them. Um, please um, just be careful. It's a medical problem. It's, 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 it's uh, not something you need to wipe under the carpet. Just be brave about it. If you don't want to talk to others, talk to a doctor and, and, and go one step at a time. Get to the bottom of it. Chances are you will need nothing doing. You're going to be just fine. We'll talk you through it and you'll be fine. Thank you, Dr. Sridham Narayanan. It's a senior consultant, vascular and a venous surgeon from Glen Eagles Hospital. Thank you, sir, for spending with us almost one hour, 10 minutes. I know it's, it's a SHN for you. You can't go anywhere and there's no one with you. So probably you are resting well and recover. We will definitely have to catch up with coffee. Uh, it's oh, no, we'll have to catch up next week for my training. Oh, yes. 
yes we have to catch up for training as well um thank you doctor thank you thank you so much we will definitely will stay connected and uh have a pleasant stay see you soon sir thank you very much bye-bye all right so that's uh, another topic on uh, rectal dysfunction and that was dr sriram narayanan who have um dedicated his time and his expertise on um on the topic of erectile dysfunction and explained to us very clearly. And if you are watching this and if you do have this issue, um, which is getting up, I mean, of course, on a softer side, on a serious note, if you do notice that if you do have erectile dysfunction, I think then probably the chances is sought help. And Dr. Narayanan is actually from the Harley Street Heart and Vascular Center. The number is over there if you do want to make an appointment. And um, as usual, we have uh, very every Wednesday different topics coming in. So the month of um, February, we we targeted on the topics of cardiovascular. We talked a lot about myocardium. We talked about cardiovascular fitness, strength, endurance, stamina, and these are the topics that we're going to talk about. And I'm also going to talk about a little bit more on physical activities, um, certain basic exercises. It's nothing rocket science like how Dr. Sriram Narayanan explained very clearly with all the numbers and medications, not very deep. But, you know, uh, exercises, even doctor also say that exercises is very, very important, very crucial for our body. Psychologically, physically, emotionally, all these three things have to be connected. And, and, and to be very honest with you, even if you do a 10 minutes walk, it's perfectly fine. Even if you're doing a five minutes walk, it's perfectly fine. Um, not too long back, you know, someone say, you know what, I need to train exercise for 40 minutes, one hour. You know, you don't need to. Just five minutes will be good. We'll be back again with a different topic on um, copy advance. And that will be, uh, I think, a different topic. I'm I just not too sure what the topic, but the topic will definitely will pop up. I'm going to say Sayurana and catch you all very soon. Till then, bye-bye. Thank you.